is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The head of the UN nuclear watchdog left the Zaporizhia nuclear plant in Russian-occupied territory in southern Ukraine. Five inspectors will remain at the facility for several more days. The UN aims to set up a permanent monitor at the power station, which has been the site of intense shelling in recent weeks. Ukraine hopes the inspection will lead to the, quote, demilitarizing of the plant, but Russia says it will not withdraw its forces. Russia's President Vladimir Putin will not attend the funeral of Mikhail Gorbachev, the Soviet Union's last leader, who died on Tuesday. A Kremlin spokesman blamed Mr. Putin's work schedule, but said the government was involved in organising Saturday's ceremony. Mr. Gorbachev presided over the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, something Mr. Putin has described as the, quote, greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. Russia said it would stop selling oil to countries that impose a price cap on its oil exports. On Friday, the G7 is expected to back a proposal to cap the price of Russian oil, preventing firms from financing or insuring Russian shipments if the sale price exceeds the cap. America suggested the idea out of concern that a total insurance ban, which Britain and the European Union intended to implement in December, would send prices rocketing. The chairman of Lukoil, Russia's second-largest oil provider, fell to his death from a hospital window in Moscow. A law enforcement official said Ravel Maganov committed suicide, though several of his associates told Reuters that it was unlikely he took his own life. It is at least the third reported suicide of an executive with ties to Russia's oil industry since February. Clashes between Shia militants in Basra, Iraq, left four people dead, according to local security officials the latest in a spate of recent violence in the country. Supporters of Muqtada al-Sada, an influential Shia cleric, have been fighting with rival factions. Iraq has been in political deadlock since Mr. Sada's party won the most seats in elections last year, but could not form a government. Chinese officials support a proposal for people to quarantine in Hong Kong before crossing to the mainland, according to John Lee, Hong Kong's leader. Mr. Lee said a task force will work out the details of the, quote, reverse quarantine system. Meanwhile, some 21 million people will be confined to their homes in Chengdu, a city in central China, after it imposed a lockdown on Thursday. It is the largest citywide lockdown in China since Shanghai's in April. All businesses will shut except for hospitals, pharmacies and supermarkets. Poland will demand reparations from Germany for an estimated $1.32 trillion of losses caused during World War II, said the leader of the country's ruling party. The figure, published in a long-awaited report, tops an earlier estimate of $850 billion in 2019. Some 6 million Poles, 3 million of whom were Jewish, were killed during the war and Warsaw, the capital, was razed. Germany has argued that it has resolved all financial claims related to its invasion. And fact of the day, 16 million, the amount of hectares of America covered by lawns. 
enough to carpet both New York State and New Hampshire. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Iraq's violent political deadlock. Include me in your government or face an intra-Shia civil war. That seems to be the message of Muqtada al-Sadr, an influential cleric whose supporters have been clashing this week with rival Shia factions in the administrative district of Baghdad, the capital, and beyond. At stake is who heads the government. For now, parties allied with Iran and their many militias dominate parliament and hold a veto over the formation of a new administration. The judiciary appears to have their back, too. That is blocking the ambitions of Mr. Sadr's nationalist movement, which emerged as the biggest bloc from last year's election, but which has withdrawn its MPs. Although Baghdad has calmed, fighting continues in Basra, Iraq's second city and gateway for the country's oil supply, and Mr. Sadr could yet mobilize his forces should he be excluded from the process of forming a government. Millions of angry and dispossessed Iraqis would heed his call to rise up against Baghdad's oil-rich elite. Germany's trade figures fail to lift the gloom. Destatis, Germany's statistics agency, will publish its trade figures for July on Friday. In May, the country recorded only a small surplus of 800 million euro, 795 million dollars. Exports recovered in June thanks to increased demand from America and China, and Germany notched up a seasonally adjusted surplus of 6.4 billion euro. But the mood among exporters is still gloomy. Sky-high energy prices, supply chain bottlenecks, and the rising cost of raw materials are all worries. The IFO Institute, a German think tank, produces an index of exporter expectations. It fell for the third consecutive month in August. For some companies, the cost of production has become so burdensome that they are forced to reject or cancel orders, according to a recent survey by FTI Anders, a consultancy. Firms are reluctant to pass on increased costs to customers, and with energy prices and other production costs still high, the winter months are likely to be tougher still. Hiring in America America's labor market is clearly out of balance, groused Jerome Powell, chair of the Federal Reserve, last week. Demand for workers has outstripped supply, pushing up private sector wages by more than 5% year-on-year. Yet while the Fed's interest rate rises have tightened financial conditions elsewhere, share and property prices are down. The dollar is stronger. The jobs market has remained red-hot. To policymakers' relief, data released on Friday will probably show that hiring slowed in August. Forecasters reckon employers added 300,000 jobs last month, compared with 528,000 in July. Labor market conditions are likely to determine whether the Fed increases rates by half 
or three-quarters of a percentage point in September. Its task is a balancing act. Raise rates high and fast enough to temper jobs and wage growth without triggering mass layoffs and tipping the economy into recession. The weaker the jobs data, the softer the landing should be. Gadgets galore, and you can even touch them. IFA opens its doors in Berlin on Friday. Europe's biggest annual technology show is being held in person for the first time since the start of the pandemic. It is mainly a platform for manufacturers to show off the latest in consumer electronics. Thus, with the Football World Cup looming in November, ever higher resolution TVs will be much in evidence. LG is due to unveil the largest ever OLED TV screen at a whopping 97 inches. Other gadgets are likely to include a smart toilet developed by Samsung, which neutralizes human waste, as well as shoe cases that do the same for the odor of smelly feet. There will be new smartphones too, but not the 14th iteration of the iPhone. Apple shuns such trade shows. It will launch the device at its own event on September 7th in Silicon Valley. Lord of the Dollars Streaming companies deploy several strategies to drum up interest. One is to throw lots of money at new projects. Another is to talk about how much money is being thrown. Enter The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, a television series released on Amazon Prime in most countries on Friday. Reportedly the most expensive series ever made, the first season alone has a rumored price tag of $465 million. Despite Amazon's seemingly bottomless coffers, the tech company's streaming service has repeatedly disappointed. The Lord of the Rings is pure spectacle, featuring an ensemble of elves, humans, and hobbits exploring sweeping vistas. But the show also risks losing itself in its expensive theatrics. For the series to achieve Amazon's dream of winning a giant global audience, it will have to make viewers care about the characters. After all, the idea behind the success of the original is simple. The power of ordinary people to confront evil. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday Medieval alchemists tried to turn metals such as lead into which valuable substance? Thursday The annual general meeting of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, is held in which U.S. city? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword, published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Anand Mahajan, Mumbai, India. 
North America, Rachel's Vig, Fayetteville, America, Central and South America, Jaime Jean, Mexico City, Mexico, Europe, David Prowls, Paris, France, Africa, Hasit Raja, Nairobi, Kenya, Oceania, Wendy Pierce, Perth, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of gene therapy, gota, haven, and yellow. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Viktor Frankl, who died on this day in 1997. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.